everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. Thank you to Bruce and everybody over at HypeBot for everything you do supporting the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. And we encourage everybody to check out HypeBot daily. It's a great source for what's going on in the music Absolutely. industry. So, Jay, we have a special guest joining us. We do. We, we do have a special guest. We have Deborah Manis Gardner. She is the owner president of DMG Clearances. And uh, I'll let her kind of talk about what that means, you know, when you have songs that are used in movies, television, video games, etc. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit, for those that don't know, um, what are music clearances? And why are they important? Well, music is every part of our, our daily life. While you're watching TV, you're in an elevator, doctor's office, in a cab. But then, of course, the more um, uh, obvious things, movies, television, video games, and uh, anything that's going on the Internet, social media. But you need to get permission uh, to use that music. So um, it's my job, it's DMG Clarence's job, to secure those rights. We contact the copyright holders. We contact uh, the publishers. They control the music and the lyrics of the composition. And we contact the record company for the, uh, the artist recording. Um, it's, it's exciting stuff that we do because I know that when your listeners are going to the movies and they hear that song when they saw Suicide Squad, and it was like boom, 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 song after song after song, and then it reminds them of the movie. It brings back an emotion or feeling. Sure. So, um, and, and I did not work on that. Uh, Gabe did that. But yeah. it's just an example of uh, what music is, how sure. we license it up, how we get permission. Uh, I think the other relevant thing is people are watching commercials. Um, and so uh, it's exciting. Like uh, Portugal the Man <clears throat> has crossed over from alternative rock to pop to being used in commercials, which is exciting. Um, seeing K Flay being used in. Um, regular television programming. I think she, I thought I heard her on, oh, that James Spader show. So do you negotiate rates? Like when you go to these different people and, and I'd love for you to talk about some of the artists you've worked with because they're fantastic. But when you are locking down some kind of sync placement, how do you determine how much it's worth? There's a lot of stuff you have to take into place because there's different types of projects um, you know, you've got your documentaries, like we did the Defiant Ones, the story of Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, right. um, where we had over 150 musical cues. So, wow. you know, your documentaries, we try to keep that fees at a much lower rate because we have smaller budgets. So when I go out to people and I try to negotiate, they want to know, what's your budget? What was your music budget? What was your overall budget? Who's, who's backing it? What studio? Or if it's being shopped right now, if it's just in a film festival, Sure. You're taking all of that into account to help negotiate. In addition, it's the rights that you need. Usually, if it's film or television, it's all media worldwide, and then you've got you know including theatrical or excluding theatrical, depending on the situation. If we have small budgets, if we have a small project, we might just say, you know what, why don't you just give us festival rights and maybe two years on the internet. And then hopefully we can get a distributor, get some financing, and then we'll go back out and get these broader rights. So I always tell people it's the medium, which is how it's being shown, uh, mm -hmm. the territory, because maybe you're doing the world, maybe you're just doing the United States, um, the use. 
Is it opening or closing credits or is it in the body? Is it a visual vocal or is it a background? So and Lots so, of variables. Let, yeah. let, let me ask you. So you said sometimes you'll say, well, we'll give you, can we get limited rights to festivals and the internet and then you try and find a distributor? Does that sometimes then totally impact the release plan of somebody who wanted to do a movie and said, I want to do this documentary and I want to release it worldwide, but then all of a sudden they realize because of the costs of music, okay, we're going to have to just do a limited release and hope that we can get somebody to come along later. Is that is that what plays into sometimes we see these things that are like, well, why is this only a Netflix release? Why didn't this go bigger? Why isn't it on DVD? Why, you know, is that play into that? Well, if it's just a Netflix, they might have an exclusivity for a certain number of years. <clears throat> but sadly, there are a lot of amazing documentaries that aren't getting out there because they don't have the funding for the music. And so, um, wow. and documentaries are so big right now. And they yeah. have been for the last couple of years and they're growing. And I'm, I'm digging it. I mean, I'm working on one on, on Dionne Warwick. And Dionne Warwick is not just this great singer. She was there during the 60s where she's on a tour bus with Dick Clark's people. Half the bus is white, half the bus is black. They go to the South, and she and any of the, uh, the artists of color cannot eat in restaurants, cannot use the bathrooms, cannot stay in hotels. This is all covered in her documentary. And then, you know, Dion talks about how things really haven't changed in our country from what she dealt with in the 60s because wow. you still have the Klan marching. You still, you know, you, we don't have lynchings, but you have people getting killed um, because of their skin color. So that's like an exciting documentary I'm working on. We Fantastic. have a lot of the music in place, and now we're just shopping for funding so we can actually, when I saw it, I said, this needs to be theatrical. We need to get the money, and we need to make it theatrical because of the statement she's making. So, you know, you've got these smaller documentaries that we do anything and everything to make it happen. Kate Nash has a new documentary coming out. Um, the education of Kate Nash and what she did battling as, you know, a punk rock female musician and going up against the record companies. Um, so Does it help if they're controlled compositions or is it still a challenge no matter what? Controlled by who? Well, if controlled composition, meaning that the person like Dionne Warwick wrote uh, the song as well as performed it. But most of her stuff was written by Burt Backrock and Hal David. Yeah, and then it, you've got to take into account that... These writers have publishing deals. They got large advances. So, yeah. these so it has to be negotiated anyway. It has to be negotiated. Absolutely everything has to be negotiated. And Dion doesn't own any of her masters, and she hasn't gone for revisionary rights yet. Yeah, so, I didn't mean Dion, you know, specifically, but just artists in general. It sounds like right. the work needs to be done, whether it's a con controlled composition or not. Exactly. Kate Nash, uh, we had six songs that she wrote by herself. But we still had to negotiate clearances with Universal Music Publishing because they had the publishing right. on her older stuff. And in the middle of the documentary, uh, she signed with Warner Chapel, and we had to clear her new stuff with Warner Chapel. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it's a business, and everything should cost money. I am no way saying that anything should ever be free. No, but there are different, to your point earlier, though, right. there are different values. If you're making a feature film and you need that, or a commercial where that is basically the backbone of what you're selling, that's one thing. But if you're a new developing artist or it's a documentary, those values are a little bit different. And that must be challenging to kind of negotiate those values. It can be. Um, but that's the exciting thing that I do. 
Well, talk about, you know, I was looking at your, your information and talk about some of the artists and projects you've, you've worked on. They're, they're pretty impressive. They're fun. Um, I've Kendrick Kend- Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. I did, I did Kendrick's Pimp a Butterfly. That was like goosebumps. And, you know, um, I was delivered the music on a USB drive and I have a computer that's not even connected to the internet. So I use that computer yeah. uh, to, to listen to everything. Um, when I work with Marshall and I work with Eminem, all of it is done over the phone. Um, same thing with Drake and Khaled and Jay-Z. Is that for and security reasons? For security reasons. But the leaks don't usually happen on the sample side of thing. but it's security. They just are very sure. wary of stuff getting out there. But Bad. And all of these artists are really good, amazing people to work with, and their teams are just so professional. Um, and then you've got people that are just up and coming and growing. I just did Logic's album and, and has the most wonderful, sweetest team that you can imagine. His mixtape did really well. Mm-hmm. I'm currently... Um, I just wrapped up Jay Cole's new album, and uh, we're wrapping up Pusha T's album. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, my office usually has about 50 albums going simultaneously with my staff. And then concurrently, I'm doing four or five documentaries. I did Hamilton for Lynn, and I'm about to start two more shows that we are not even close to being on Broadway, but, you know, hope to get it to the public theater and then to get it to Broadway. So um, we've got so, that going on. So help me to understand this. Is it twofold where you're actually clearing samples for artists to use in their recordings and then also clearing um, and working with, you know, outlets for sync licensing for film TV? Is it all of the above? It's all of the above. I mean, my love is sample clearances. I've been doing that since 1990. And so that's my specialty. And that led me into the foray of working in film and television, because I yeah. was told, you know, hip hop and rap, that's a phase. That's theft. That's not going to be around. I'm like, it, I'm like, know. it's like punk rock music. It's, it's expressive. It's important. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of stick your middle finger at those people and say, hi, you were wrong. But that led me into doing film and television and video games because the clearance agents that were uh, used to doing synchronization clearances were scared of this music because there might be 10 or 12 writers and six or eight publishers. And I, I belong to some websites with su- giving support to people because sometimes I say, I've got the whole song cleared except 1.75%. I can't find this person. Do you know who right. it is? And then I send yeah. them a message on the Facebook page and I kind of guide them and tell them what to do. You um, ever worked on anything after the fact? Because you said you started like, what, ni- 1990. There were so many of these albums that came out where we didn't know any better. And they would do these samples and they would put these albums out that had samples that weren't cleared. Do you ever work on going back and fixing what i have and i think one of the most exciting ones is led zeppelin their last album that they just put out yeah um we went back and we re-cleared interpolations of some blues music that they had not acknowledged influencing or using yeah wow Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so i do work on stuff after the fact um that must be challenging because they kind of have you um, you, get, you get really good at groveling and begging. <laughs> and, and you know what? The, the biggest thing I say to people is, this is not world peace. We are not curing cancer. And, and theft might have occurred. I don't think there's ever malicious intent. And how can we make it, make um, it right. work out, make it right, and, and yeah. make sure that everyone wins out. Um, mm. <clears throat> sampling brought back people's careers as you know, I, I always say James, it really helped James Brown. It's helped, you know, Hamilton Bohannon. Um, there's just some great artists whose music was, would, uh, Syl Johnson is another one, Wu-Tang, 
kept using Syl Johnson. Sure, Tone so, I mean, there's a lot of these that revived careers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know besides the change of going from vinyl to digital, um, which also helped bring all this music back, um, that's what I love about sampling. If you like to cook, that's what sampling is because it's just yeah. like using music and spicing stuff, kind of like a, a jambalaya or, or a gumbo or something where you're just adding <laughs> all these different things and you're like, really, this is going to go together? Yeah, it does. And you get great music. And um, now, so you, I just love that. Do you also represent artists in going out and trying to get them placed? I don't directly. I do work, you know, if there are, are, are writers that do not have representation and they say, how can I get pitched? I always say, you know what, you need to get with a, a publishing company. And I will recommend them to boutique publishing companies to handle their stuff and to pitch it. Um, artist-wise, just on a personal note, I am currently working with an artist by the name of Levy Gray um, on, on Cinematic that just is a writer, a producer, an artist, good-looking, so probably can go into acting, has a college degree, um, comes from Harlem, um, and got involved with him, and got him you know, involved in some films and getting his stuff placed and, and stuff like that. That's kind of a case-by-case, case, maybe a passion a project. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And if I have time, I mean, I've just been so busy. Just wrapping up, you know, another video game that will be coming out June, July. Just, uh, just People forget um, about video games sometimes, but there's a, that's a whole new world, and it's, and it's a large world for music. It is. I mean, I specifically handle all of Rockstar video games. Oh, wow. So um, we just finished... Um, Relicensing every song for every game that they had, um, because is that because they expired? Yeah, we only did ten-year terms. Now most video games are done in perpetuity. We have to based on the technology and, and the UGC content and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they're so much fun to work with. Um, they've got a great music music supervisors, and you know the owner Sam makes all the final decisions. But they really turn people onto music that you would have never expected. I mean, the last video game had a punk rock station, which was really, which is my forte, but it was really hard because some punk rockers are like, F you, we're not going to ever license you our music. Right. You know, we're punk, punk rock. There's a reason behind it. So, um, and I was like, respect. That was cool. Yeah. You know, that, that, that brings up an, an interesting um, comment here. I mean, years ago, licensing music of any band of any genre licensing music into a commercial was just like that no way man that's yeah, just, that wasn't cool at that all. that was not cool that's that's selling out that's going corporate right but that's all changed now now it's it's almost like that's where for, forget about releasing a new album i'm recording a new album because i want to get it placed into a commercial or score yeah a lot yeah. a lot of guys you know, come to me and they're like, you know, um, and Levy Gray's like one of them where he's done score music for for uh, for Flavor Unit films. That is a springboard. That's a great springboard. Well, that's and a good point. Do, does do you ever deal with, you know, a client that says, look, for this movie, I need 17 seconds of this type of music, or I need, you know, an interstitial here, bits and pieces that you put together, or is it more just from complete compositions? No, a lot of times, like, I'll get a whole film project, they have no money, they have placed music in it saying, okay, I can't afford this song, 
what can you get me or what can you make that will give that same feeling? Sound alike. Yeah, we never do a sound alike. We wanted to have the same feel, but I'll never do a sound alike. I don't, I don't walk in those waters. But yeah, I've done that a lot. And, um, because it shouldn't affect uh, the movie as long as it's good music. I, you know, I don't know how many people have seen uh, the Infinity Wars, but only two songs were licensed in, and the rest was score. If you sit through the, all the credits, they only credit two songs. Wow. The rest wow. of it is score. Is there any advice that you would give to good songwriters, recording artists, to uh, kind of attack this world of of sync and and licensing other than having a good publisher are there any things that they can do to increase their chances it's all through connections going to music festivals um getting people to know your stuff um because when your music is submitted it has to be submitted properly it has to have metadata on it it has to you've got to make sure that if you've recorded a song that you've done an instrumental version and that we can get the stems or away files there's a lot of it involves. Yeah. So I always tell recording artists, make sure you have a manager, make sure you have a lawyer, make sure you have, you know, a publisher to help you. Sure. You, always, you want people around you so you can sit and be creative and do your music. You know, makes sense. I'm not an accountant. I make sure I have a really good accountant. I have a publicist. I have people who handle stuff for me because what I'm good at is doing music clearances and that's what I put all my energy in. And then the I'm other sure. stuff I have people do for me. So No, that's smart. Um, but I think there's a lot more opportunities that it's growing. Um, you know, I worked with Curtis Hansen, you know, God bless him. And he and Carol Fenelon used to always just accept submissions all the time and just keep a library of music and be in their car listening to every song they could because you never know what you might miss out on. Yeah. Not a lot of people out there that do that, but that's how you find good music. Yeah. Do you watch what's going on, you know, with radio or the streaming services or... You know what's what's selling, who's doing well on the road. Are you are you doing that, or is it I just do, kind of? I just do it personally. I yeah. just always you always want to know where everyone is, what's going on. You know, someone laughed at me and they said, "Oh my God, you have Entertainment Weekly magazine." I'm like, "Damn straight!" So I know when people's birthdays or marriages, so that if I need to get a deal done and I can't get it done because I know that person is on holiday, you know, you always need to know these these little things. You always want to know personable things about people to get deals done. Understood. Can you share with us like one of the more challenging placements you've had to, to secure that, that, that really, really worked you was a, was a real challenge to get the rights to. Wow. There's been so many, I mean, I've been doing this. Oh my goodness. Since 1990. Um, I'd have to sit down, you know, that's a common question people ask me, and I'm going to actually have to sit down and think about what the answer would be, because I know sometimes I get really excited when I make something happen. Um, getting Led Zeppelin cleared for School of Rock was pretty darn exciting. You know, they, they shot that scene with six different songs before we were able to get the Led Zeppelin cleared. Um, I think the exciting thing for me is when a client really wants something, and I'm able to get it for them. I think that's the greatest high I get, you know, so whether it's difficult or not, you know, I've, I've excelled at groveling and begging. Um, <laughs> so I think the best thing is when a client walks away from a project really satisfied with the outcome. Do, do, do some artists want 
you to grovel and beg? Does that make them feel good? Well, as a clearance agent, people pretty much know that I don't get the lowest quote. I get the fairest quote. So I don't like to screw anyone over. So a client might say to me in a sample, I want you to clear this at 10%. I'll say, what's the baseline you use throughout? It's the whole song and you just wrapped on top of a baseline. It has a value of 50%. Maybe I can get it at 45. But 10% is an insult. And so I'd like to make sure that everyone is treated fairly um, when doing deals. I think it's really important. But I also, when I think someone's quoting way too high, I don't hold back and I say, you know what, you're, you're not touching reality here with this quote. <laughs> That's great. Well, where can people learn more about uh, you and licensing and sync and kind of get educated on this whole world? Well, you know, I have a website, which uh, you can all go to, which is www.dmgclearances.com, which are my initials, Deborah Manis Gardner. And believe it or not, I answer every single email that I get. And I do respond to every phone call because we look at ourselves as an educational company as well. So if people have questions, we answer it because if they don't get the answers from us, then they're going to make a mistake and they might use something without permission. So, and that's why I lecture and I go to colleges and I go to these music panels and I mean, I really like going to uh, colleges so that the, that the kids are educated because they now offer these kind of classes at schools. I was just yeah. at the University of Arts in Philadelphia and they actually offer a class on licensing and they covered sample clearances, which was awesome. And, yeah. you know, sample clearances are really changing. There's a new company that I'm actually a partner with called TrackLib where we're automating sample clearances. We're getting stuff pre-negotiated, pre-cleared to put into a website. So when a producer doesn't have a lot of money, he can sit down, he can purchase the the, the specific WAV file that he wants to use, and it already has a negotiated fee based on how many seconds he's using. And he also has the sync rate, so he doesn't need to go back. And this was these amazing guys out of Sweden called TrackLib that came up with this. He said, sampling should not interfere with the exploitation and the making of good music. So it's cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. I I found it fascinating. This is such an incredible uh, world that we don't think about all the time, but it sounds like it's, you know, not only can it be lucrative if you have the right deal, um, but it can also help, you know, make the artist more known and get more people uh, to listen to it. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. And it gives pleasure to the person on the receiving end, which is awesome. So uh, watch those credits when you go to the movies. Stay through the end. I mean, they make trailers now, so you want to stay through the end. Right, yeah. But it's nice to read all the credits of the music that's used in these films. I think, you know, Black Panther, awesome music. Kendrick did a great job creating all that new music for that. So um, enjoy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. I always love talking about licensing and, and stuff like that because I feel like that's the the area of the music business today that especially when it's the newer younger diy artists yeah they know that's like the pot of gold they need to reach for but there's no nobody really knows how to do it how do i get into that and but as she said it's a lot of who you know and it's a lot of networking yeah and you put it best you you were talking earlier about how it used to be uncool to be, you know, I mean, Neil Young sang about it yeah. years ago, right? It's not cool to be on TV commercials and, you know, the Dire Straits sang about it. 
Well, now, and I think a lot of it had to do with iTunes, where they would use one of those songs by some new developing artist in, in their in, ad the, the iPod ads, those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it would launch careers. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be in those commercials, and that, you know, um, I remember Sting had a big hit with a Jaguar commercial. Yep. Yeah, you know, there were a lot of those, and I think that now, to your point, it's part of the game plan. I mean, you you are hiring sync licensing people. Um, we work with one very closely because it's so important to launching any project um, for an artist these days. It's super important. And, you know, there's a mystery about it. And I think she helped a little bit by talking about how you need to have a manager and you need to have an accountant and you need to have a publishing company. Um, but there's still... Um, Another part of that, which is there are places out there that you can go to that will either for a retainer fee or for a piece of the action will help place your music into film, TV, video games and all of that. But the caveat is if they think that it's viable, if they believe in it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and she mentioned it sort of quickly in passing, but, uh, you know, she said, when you record it, you need to have an instrumental version of that song. Yes, that's, you know if if if, if you're crucial. going to target going after licensing and placement, the songs need to be in a in a way that they can actually be used. You know, a yeah. lot of times it's just not oh hey the, the first track on your album is great let's just pick it up off your album and put it into what we need. Yeah. They they might need an extended chorus or an all instrumental version of it or or whatever. So that's right. It, it 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 becomes when you go into the studio, you need to start thinking of these things in advance, so you've got all the parts ready if you're going to go out there and and shop for placements. Yeah, and use your relationships. If you know someone who works at, you know, a brand, um, reach out to them. Um, but it's got to be great music. Uh, to your point a second ago, you've got to have an instrumental version of these tracks. They always ask for that when you're talking with placement people. They and, want both. And, and this is definitely a case of don't don't feel um, don't get down on yourself if you get rejected, because supervisors are looking for very specific types of music for a placement. It's got to yeah. have this feel. It's got to have this mood. It's got to have this lyrical content. You, they may love your music. It just wasn't the perfect fit for what they needed at this time. And if they turn you down, that doesn't mean walk away and never talk to them again, because they may have the perfect fit for you two months from now. Yeah, that's good advice. Keep swinging. Keep swinging because it it is. It's just it's all about and it's all about understanding when you start to get to know the supervisors, understanding the types of clients they work with, you know, is, are they working with romantic movies or are they working with superhero movies? It's a different sure. kind of music. You pitch to the supervisor who works the style of music you're, you're familiar with. So, yeah. Interesting right. conversation. Yep. There you go, everybody. Another episode of the music biz weekly podcast. Thank you again to everybody over at hypebot.com and we will see you next week.